Do we have anything else we want to knock off? Probably tight end days. Probably going to have to get the X, even though Iowa loves its tight ends. Yeah, a little too hey, far. I mean, Kittle invented that holiday. That's true. Kittle's also on Panda Express ad, so take what he says <laughs> with a grain of salt there. Or whatever seasoning you put on that. Oh, it's salt. Have you ever been to Panda Express? It's my, body weight. It's my body weight in sodium. <laughs> I, can, I can confidently say that I have not, and I don't plan to. That's Panda Express. I frequent that establishment. Of course you do. That does not surprise. <laughs> what establishment in this town don't I frequent? I mean, I go to the Poncheros down the street here, and they just start making it. <laughs> when I walk in. everyone i currently am waist deep in a cake Shavanch delivered the cake is here as expected we are back for a sixth week we've exceeded the threshold for a cake uh it's red velvet the frosting's a little questionable and i believe it's it's a pre-mixed betty crocker variety um <laughs> but it but it is it is delicious uh, and uh, Siobhan, I'll, I'll uh, take take your comments at this time. <laughs> that intro is getting used. I don't care what you say. I don't care how many texts you send me tomorrow when I'm editing. Yeah, uh, Betty Crocker, you're 100% right. Red, uh, red Velvet did not spring for the dye. Gave you the full sugar and uh, everything. So you're welcome there. Uh, high V frosting. And then the old, uh, you know, I wrote, I, wrote a, I wrote a heartfelt message on the top for uh you know for us to remember this podcast by it was five more than expected i would have only expected maximum calories i mean that's what i want i don't uh (laughs) i don't go halfway i'm all the way in when i do stuff like that i Um, will say red velvet was right next to the carrot cake mix and it was a very tough decision we'd be having a very different conversation right now (laughs) if you picked the carrot we are also joined by pregame editor breaking news specialist robert reed we were one game into the football season Iowa loses 24-20 to Purdue. How are we feeling? You know, it's it's an interesting start to the season. First of all, thanks for uh, having me on again. You, you, I don't know if you guys are just enjoying me having on the having me on the podcast or struggling to find other guests, but either way, appreciate the invite. Yes. Um, but yeah, it, it was an interesting week one, a game I thought Iowa was going to win, and for most of the game, uh, I thought Iowa was going to take control over Purdue, but they did not, and now they're 0-1-1 for the first time uh, in quite a while, so we'll, we'll get into this later, but yeah, weird start to the football season for Iowa. We are also joined by uh, Wildcat enthusiast Chris <laughs> Werner. He is uh, he's excited to cover this Northwestern game with Robert this weekend. Chris, how are we? I, I'm doing well, Austin. I am actually from Evanston, so that's the stem of my Wildcat knowledge, and I I applaud you for, I think the first time I was on this podcast, you introduced me as a Bears fan, and I'm, I'm grateful you didn't do it that this week after the uh, performance. I wouldn't even call it a performance after the, uh, the beatdown they took on Monday night. I'll leave it at that. Chris is still reveling in that 2018 uh, Wildcats win over the Hawkeyes, uh, when I believe the temperature was 50 below, if that's, <laughs> does that I, sound about right? I'm an unbiased journalist now. I've moved on. I froze to the seat that day in 2018. <laughs> I sat down. I got up and I was like, oh, there goes the back of my pants. <laughs> it was full SpongeBob mode. Um, but before we spend too much time talking about the jeans I wore that day, 
let's dive into let's no, dive into Justin Turner. Well, we or just not guest. introduce our final guest. We have another Austin. guest that, sh- that I will introduce because I think she's at least special. Uh, she's been on every episode, but more in the background, making sure Austin and I don't lose our focus, which, I mean, we do anyway, but it's, it's, it's neither here nor there. Uh, Kelsey, thank you very much for joining us on this podcast, a very special podcast being Cake Week. How are you today? I'm great. I'm glad, you know, that I can be finally making my debut on the scoreboard since I've been here through the entire process. Hours worth of recording. (laughs) That's true. You guys only hear 35 minutes, but we are here for a lot longer than that. Kelsey is, you know, honestly the backbone about how this podcast even hits the internet uh, because Austin and I definitely don't know how to put that up there. (laughs) So I just edit the file. Austin does a write-up and Kelsey works her digital magic to push it to all your favorite audio listening platforms. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. Without Kelsey, we actually this podcast might have never even happened um because she messaged me and said are we still doing a podcast to which i applied i replied with a pretty firm maybe (laughs) so i think i remember that and at that point sports weren't happening so it was really uh up in the air but now we have content Content like Justin Turner. Let's get into it. Okay, now we can get in. We can get <laughs> no, into, now we finally get into the old content. We we can get into Justin Turner gallivanting throughout the LA Dodgers uh, parade or um, I guess celebration with COVID nineteen, uh, spreading joy and coronavirus to the world. Uh, where do we stand on that? I mean, obviously, irresponsible is the first word that comes to mind. Yeah, and also not only that, but his his tweet. I think he tweeted out after the game. He he said some something to the effect of I'm bummed that I couldn't celebrate with my teammates. And yeah. then there was a multiple pictures of him doing that exact thing mm-hmm. um, with his mask not over his face. So the Dodgers won, but a lot a lot more people are talking negatively than would have if Justin Turner had been more responsible. Yeah, and, and the timing of everything was odd because obviously he was pulled from the game and I believe the seventh inning because for some reason that's when the test result was received that he tested positive. And, you know, for him to go back out there, uh, and obviously the team didn't try very hard to stop him, but there, there's a photo of him sitting next to manager Dave Roberts who at one point had cancer and neither of them are wearing masks. So it, it's, it's an unfortunate situation that um, Turner couldn't follow safety protocols and maybe um, think about what's actually happening by him going out there. But yeah, it really did take over as the the number one story after a World Series victory, which, you know, the timing of everything was just really odd for that. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about what good the testing actually does if you don't get the result back before the game. Because you can't definitively say that you're negative unless you get that result back before the game. So the question is, has the MLB been doing this all season? and just got like the, it feels like they just lucked out to me if that's what they've been doing all season just letting them play and then getting their test back yeah I, I would agree I mean obviously from what we've heard as as fans and like uh, just following along they pulled them as soon as they got the test result but obviously he was playing for the first seven innings so he was interacting with base runners and his teammates so I mean I don't I don't really think in that situation the testing did what it was designed to do yeah um, another play place that's having some coronavirus problems is right here in the Big Ten. Our pals up north, Wisconsin, they've got some troubles. 12 positive COVID tests, their lockdown, Big Ten protocol. I mean, I guess, where? Do, how do we feel about that? Obviously not great, considering there's no time for them to make it up. Yeah, and, and that's the 
big thing in the schedule that the Big Ten originally released in early August before they very shortly after postponed the spring. It, it did have those bye weeks built into the schedule that allowed them to reschedule games and move some things around if a situation like this did come up. But um, obviously for a short period, there wasn't a season that was happening. And by the time they um, got things together, they didn't have a whole lot of time left before they had to get in prepared for bowl season. So they had to play these nine games in nine weeks. Um, so yeah, this leaves Wisconsin in a difficult situation because they're down three quarterbacks due to two of them testing positive for COVID-19 and one of them um, being injured. Their head coach tested positive for COVID-19. Um, and, you know, with, with Big Ten safety protocols, those players are out at least 21 days. And going three weeks without um, two of your quarterbacks on your roster is a uh, – a difficult challenge for any Big Ten team, no matter how deep you are at that position. So the interesting thing was, technically, Wisconsin wasn't past the line where they were like the Big Ten had to step in and cancel the game. Um, they were in the the orange sector, as as the conference refers to it, bordering on that line, and they opted to cancel the game themselves. Uh, Barry Alvarez, Wisconsin's AD, saying they wanted to take that precaution. So it, it's still a no contest um, rather than Wisconsin forfeiting. But, you know, this this Big Ten season and getting all these games in is going to be anything but easy. I think I disagree with the forfeit, right? Because Wisconsin made that decision consciously to say, hey, we're not playing. And I know the Big Ten rule for this season is you got to play six games in order to qualify for the conference championship game. And it kind of bugs me a little bit that, like, Wisconsin could just take a game or two or three and be like, yeah, we're just not going to play it, minimize the risk of losing and then all of a sudden they could be 6-0 and uh, versus you know another team like Minnesota one loss two loss Iowa one loss two loss and they're in the Big Ten title game because they have less losses even though they elected to cancel those games on their own accord I, I just think it's a difficult situation for the conference to be in because if you say well if you're if you're not pa- past this threshold and you cancel it it counts as a loss I think that may discourage teams like Wisconsin who you know do have an outbreak on their team from actually stepping up and saying we don't feel like it's a safe thing to play this week Um, so you're caught in that bind of what maybe is the right decision and Nebraska right now is maybe being some are say cheated out of a victory because of Wisconsin's forfeit Um, so it's just a difficult situation to determine you know what the what the right thing to do is there and and bringing it back to a football perspective unless anyone else has anything to say about the the COVID angle with Wisconsin I just feel bad for Mertz because he was on a record-setting pace I mean it was his first start as a as a Wisconsin starting quarterback and he I think it was 20 for 21 for the highest completion percentage ever by a a Wisconsin quarterback I know he was one or I think he tied the record for most uh, consecutive completions five touchdowns I mean he played he played the game of his life and then to have it just snatched away the same day is is quite quite the swing well I we do have to take into account the cool nature of the quarterback we might get to see for Wisconsin. We just have to think about it real quick. His name's Danny Vandenboom. That's a, that's an awesome name. That's 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 a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback right there. Now, granted, and he's only he's completed his only career pass, one for one, three yards. So we don't know how good he is. That sounds like a name that would be given to a creative player on NCAA football. Got to credit him for just an outstanding name. Yeah, and we'll see if Wisconsin actually does get back on the field how their fourth string quarterback does for them one other thing we have on our sort of agenda for this week kelsey you 
wrote it down. Um, slightly newsy, but should game day be used as an excuse to ignore that we're in a pandemic? I'll just ask you to expand on that before we proceed any further. Yeah, I can expand on that. I was walking around downtown, and even though, you know, the Hawks weren't here in Iowa City, a lot of fans were out going to tailgates or house parties during the day, and there was a lot of people not wearing masks. Iowa City does have a mask mandate, might I remind everyone. So there was a lot of a lot of people without masks, um, which, you know, kind of concerning considering we're expecting a third spike. That's just kind of my two cents on it. I don't know who needs to hear this, but wear your mask. One thing yeah, and- Oh go ahead, Robert. No, no. I'll go for it often. <laughs> Let me go off really quick. This has all the factors for a huge coronavirus boom in Iowa City this weekend. Halloween, not a, not an 11 a.m., so people are going to have plenty of time to go out and do stuff before the game. It's at 2.30. Across the street from Kinnick Stadium is mostly private property, so I expect that to be largely the same in terms of the party atmosphere and whatnot. So I, I don't see a scenario where people are going to be like, ha, you know, those street signs that say don't come in here because of Corona and those university emails that say don't do this. That really stopped me. I, you know, I got the email and I was like, let me take a moment to just reconsider my entire weekend plan. Not to mention the proximity of Kinnick Stadium to the entire hospital complex of the University of Iowa. I'm sure they are uh, not looking forward to what this weekend may bring. Yeah, I know. I mean, obviously, the Iowa fans love to do the wave at the end of the first quarter. A way to really show you show you care about the patients in the hospital is to wear wear a mask. So we try to mitigate the spread. So I mean, hopefully, hopefully they show their Hawkeye pride by by being safe. Just want to put this out there: we are an anti-coronavirus podcast. We are not fans of the virus. I, I thought the the phrasing on Tuesday, Iowa quarterback Spencer Petras saying that. Kirk Ferentz says, you know, we've, we've got to respect the virus, uh, which I, I thought was an interesting way to th- put it into football terms. But yeah, got to respect the virus and, and wear the mask. That's what you say when you're going against like a really good running back. That's not what you say <laughs> when you're, you know, we got to respect him. We don't, you don't say that. Okay. I don't know. I know this isn't on our budget, but one other thing I thought was good for, you know, storyboard material. Kirk Ferentz got locked out of the polling place during the 2016 election. He went in there late, right as the polling place was supposed to close. He said he was walking up to the door. Lady was smiling at him and she just slammed the door in his face and locked it. So the U.S. election does not bend to anyone, not even Kirk Ferentz at an Iowa City polling place. Yeah, I, I thought you tweeted that on Tuesday during the press conference and Todd Bromelkamp quoted it and said, wait, Kirk having time management issues? What? Which, you know, uh, especially after some questionable decisions in the week one game, I thought was a, uh, a relevant point for him to bring up. Austin, didn't you tweet that that voting incident happened last year instead of last election? <laughs> yeah, I tweeted it last year and it was too, too I late that, to go. I got the notification on my phone. I'm like, oh, Austin's tweeting. I saw him. I'm like, there was a, I didn't vote last year. What happened? <laughs> Wait, you have Austin's tweet notifications on? No, I have notifications on from like, I think it's just like relevant tweets, like tweets that I've liked in the past. It's related stuff. So I get tweets from Rappaport uh, notifying me. I have no one's notifications on, but I still get tweet notifications. Okay, I was just making sure because I didn't want I didn't know if you were favoring one of the members of the DI sports section or not. But Robert, if I had anyone's tweet notifications on in this call, it would definitely be myself. So <laughs> how would that work? I'd, uh, listen, sometimes I forget I tweeted. <laughs> you'd, you'd somehow have to create like a fake burner account or something like that. <laughs> Man, who would do, who would do that? 
Hey, I, why, why everyone on this call is now looking at me. I know you guys can't, can't see that, but I, I have no idea why. How can you tell we're looking at you? We're on yeah, I'm looking at my screen. I, I can see you guys like looking at my face. Like, honestly, I, I'm, I know I'm on your screen and you're looking at the screen and smirking. Okay. We're off the rails already. Speaking of off the rails, Spencer Petrus, how, how do we feel about his performance against the Boilermakers? Is he uh, bad or not good? Well, we uh, we we vowed that we weren't going to bring up the Bears on this podcast, but he was giving me major Nick Foles vibes in in week one because Nick Foles has a uh, he set himself up as a streaky quarterback, and that's what Petrus was doing. I mean, in the second, I think he completed something like twelve of his, of his last thirteen passes going into halftime, and then was hot again in the third, and then just kind of lost his touch in the fourth quarter so he he showed flashes but just not good enough to to get the week one w yeah Shavanj and i were the di's uh resident uh, reporters in west lafayette for that week one game although only one of us was allowed inside the stadium but <laughs> yeah it, it was definitely and, and some of this is to be in- expected first career start for iowa after an off season in a pandemic with no spring football and everything else um but yeah there, there were some struggles early on and overall in the day he was very inconsistent missing some some wide open throws some checkdowns that maybe should have um should have looked at it, it seemed like some underneath routes were open but uh, a couple times he can't doubt it about Petrus. he has a very lively arm and he's not afraid to sling it uh, and eventually when he connects on those that's going to be a big addition to Iowa's offense but you know he he missed on a lot of those deep routes uh, and you know Iowa didn't get guys like Amir Smith-Marset into the game Brandon Smith wasn't involved in the game much either um, so yeah th- there's a lot of talk about these top Iowa targets on offense this season I, I-, I guess it just comes down to you actually have to use them Someone who did look good for Iowa through three quarters uh, is running back Tyler Goodson, really stepping into that lead back role at one time was Iowa's leading rusher and receiver. Uh, Didn't touch the ball in the fourth quarter. And part of that is due to Iowa not really having the ball, but part of that is, uh, you know, just just not getting it to him. Uh, And and they did some interesting things with him in the wildcat formation and uh, having him as a receiver out of the backfield. But get your your weapons the ball, especially Tyler Goodson. I think they became a little bit predictable towards that fourth quarter. Purdue was really reading those halfback screens and um running back targets but and that's going to make it difficult on any offense especially a really young one with a really young quarterback despite some of petrus's struggles um you know like like chris said he did find his rhythm especially in the late part of the second quarter and in the third quarter um had some nice throws i, I remember one specifically down the seam to nico regani that was uh, really impressive throw for someone's first career start but despite all the struggles i will I thought was going to put things away with until Makai Sargent fumbled and Purdue went all the way down the field and David Bell scored his third touchdown of the game. Um, so I would really, when I would, wasn't either turning the ball over or committing another penalty, the offense looked pretty sharp for most of the day, but you know, those ugly on Iowa type of mistakes really, really cost him in week one. The only thing I, and I, I know it's just, it's Petrus's first start. And obviously we were all watching him, in like an extreme microscope, but the miss to Sean Byer when no one was within 10 yards of him, that was, that was a toughie for me. That one was bad. The last throw of the game where Amir Smith-Marset was open and he threw it into a triple, triple coverage, uh, Nico Regani. And the same thing goes for that. Uh, I think it was one or two plays earlier. He had Tyrone Tracy 
missed him. Tracy was open. And I, I get that that's the end of the game. But if you're going to play quarterback in the Big Ten, you know you're going to play close games, and those are throws you have to make. I, I think it all kind of built up to that. I mean, he missed kind of easy throws in the first half, first quarter, and then that that made him kind of have to make those throws late. So, I mean, it all built up to – I mean, it was just a little sloppy and. I think that's one of the main reasons they they couldn't pull it out, and the secondary struggled to cover cover Bell, which won't bear, won't get too much easier this week as Peyton Ramsey is now under center for the Wildcats after transferring in from Indiana and being the fourth uh, leading passer in the Hoosiers' history while he was there. Yeah, can I, I wanted to ask this because Robert mentioned the wild Tyler package. I don't think that works. <laughs> Didn't do so hot on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think Iowa definitely is the personnel with it because Goodson's someone who can hit the hole quickly and make something out of it. Uh, and, and Amir Smith-Marset may be a good jet option in that formation. But, you know, it, it was a pretty basic calls out of that formation. I don't know if they just kind of want to see what kind of looks they were going to get out of it. Uh, it's definitely something they could maybe still incorporate moving forward because it's it's an interesting un-Iowa traditional type of set. It didn't do a whole lot in week one, but it'll be interesting to see how they expand upon it going forward. So getting past Purdue and looking to this weekend's game, um, just to do a quick preview of our pregame on the line edition, Chris picked Northwestern to win this game, win <laughs> against the grain. I guess I'll give you the floor first. Tell me why. I should quake in fear of Northwestern. Well, I think Kirk touched on it uh, pretty well in his Tuesday presser. He was talking about the experience of the uh, Northwestern offensive line, and they did rush for 325 yards last week against Maryland. Granted that it's Maryland, but 325 yards is still 325 yards. Uh, Davion Nixon uh, also said that they, they like to position block, which means basically they just push you off the line and then run their running plays through that. So that's something that he really pointed to as a, as a point of emphasis for them. And I, I think if Iowa gets run for 325 yards, I think that's, that's a reason you should be quaking. Yeah, and I, I think the biggest thing about this game that Chris again mentioned earlier Northwestern's got a new quarterback and they're not the, at least through one week, they're not the atrocious offense that they were last season. Ramsey's come in and uh, pumped up that passing game a little bit, had some really nice throws in week one. And with what they have in the backfield with Bowser and Anderson, their play action game really was effective against Maryland, especially in the red zone. And Ramsey's a guy who can scramble a little bit. He did that against Maryland and scored a touchdown, but he's got a lot of poise in the pocket, veteran guy, former roommate of current Iowa right tackle, Coy Cronk. So they've got a, a relationship there, although Kronk did say they're not going to be talking much this week. But yeah, it, it's going to be a much closer game than the shutout last season and one of the uglier games of Iowa's season last year. But yeah, I, I guess we'll see how um, that Northwestern offense looks against someone who isn't Maryland. Yeah, and something else I want to touch on is Northwestern uh, got rid of Mick McCall as their offensive coordinator last year after he served at that role and the quarterback's coach after I think their third or fourth string quarterback was uh, performing the best out of the first three. Uh, there was something wrong there. And I'd also like to point out that he, Mitch, or Mick McCall, Mick McCall, is now the running backs coach for Iowa State. So he's not even coaching the same position group, which should tell you something about his abilities as a quarterback's coach, or at least how they were last year. I just want to point out that we thought the same thing about Maryland last year. We were like, oh man, look, they scored 50 points against bad teams. I don't, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with Northwestern. 
But I'm saying in the Big Ten, it's possible. Anything's possible. With hard work, there's no obstacle. Anyway. Kevin, Kevin Garnett. Kelsey, who's uh, winning this week's game? Wait, who's Iowa playing? <laughs> <laughs> I promise you I haven't paying attention. I said that to be funny. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm going to say Iowa just from what I know about Northwestern's history in the past. Um, we do have a couple other football-related items. Shavanch wants to talk mid-majors. Well, I guess in college football, it's non-power five, but you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, for a quick quick disclaimer, I'm excluding Notre Dame this season because um, I have a feeling that'd be a softball. But I wanted to say uh, what team outside of the power five conferences can make the playoffs and why is it Cincinnati? Because it is. That is the only appropriate answer. And um, yeah, I just, if you look at their schedule, they have softballs for the rest of the season. They are already undefeated. They're already looked at relatively high I know they haven't played incredible teams but they have played ranked teams and they've held their own I think uh I think the Bearcats are and if an outside team could make the playoff which they can't but if they could make the playoff I think the Bearcats are in the the prime spot for that at least this season I'm just happy that the answer to this question is no longer UCF I've got some central Florida fatigue (laughs) especially after they claimed a national championship but you know go Cincinnati woohoo and also, I'm just looking at their their schedule and the results they've had this year. It seems to me I haven't been watching them that closely, except for the uh, uh, their last game against SMU, where they kind of dominated. Seems like they've gotten better as the season's going on, which yeah. is a, a big hallmark for a team that's going to be there in the end. And it doesn't look like they're going to be playing any any teams of higher caliber than they've already beaten. So I think their their path to the undefeated record and then ultimately possibly the college football playoff is is pretty open right now. You never know what Ohio State's going to do. It is the Big Ten. So, I mean, maybe a different Ohio team ends up in that uh, conversation. You never know. I think I'll be the first. I'll fall on the Internet's hot take sword here. Um, <laughs> This is why this is why we need to expand the playoffs so Cincinnati can get crushed 79 to 0 by Alabama. Yeah, okay. But gosh darn it, they were in there. <laughs> Sound like me when I was defending the Bengals five consecutive playoff appearances and they got smoked. <laughs> hey, they got there. It's all that matters. It's true. Extra seeds don't mean better playoffs, everyone. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk that wraps up the podcast. Just my can I have a refund for the TED Talk? <laughs> Uh, I'm no Tim Cook. <laughs> While we're in Cincinnati, Shavanch, we can talk about Carlos Dunlap. I know your heart is broken. Your king is gone. Yeah, um, it is. It, it is. It does suck. And for someone who's been a lifetime Bengals fan, um, Dunlap is one of the players you could really hang your head on to consistently be productive, be a good teammate, and everything. I saw a tweet. This was the first, or sorry, the second mid-season trade for the Bengals in a very long time. The only other being Carson Palmer in 2012 to the then Oakland Raiders. So the Bengals don't do this very often, and I think it's a it's a testament to a new coach, not a new front office, but maybe a new approach to the whole uh, building your football team thing. I'm going to miss Carlos Dunlap, but we do have a young man in Sam Hubbard stepping up, one of the better talents on the young talents on the team. And we're and Seattle's getting very much uh, very needed pass rush depth at the very least. Well, didn't we kind of see this coming? Didn't Dunlap tweet something like putting his apartment up for sale in mm-hmm. Cincinnati 
yeah uh, he, earlier this week yeah he's been he's been less than happy with the um with the coaching staff over the last month or so and it culminated on sunday when he was actively seen uh yelling straight up yelling at the defensive line coach and it's not it's not an ideal situation and i'm i think it's better for both sides uh that he left and i think there's gonna be no hard feelings between both sides what i'm curious about is a man in a similar situation is Geno Atkins, the defensive tackle for the Bengals. He has not played a lot, and when he has played, he's not played to his normal level. Trade deadline is is coming up very soon here. I don't know if he's going to be dealt as well, but, I mean, that's that's talent that's going out the window, and we got to have some kind of plan to recoup that. Now the Bengals talk is out of the way. So I'm so happy that there's three Bears fans here and we barely talked about them. I see what you did there. Barely. Anyway. <laughs> oh, shut uh, up. <laughs> Kelsey, you wrote Title IX lawsuit. I, I actually really wanted to get into this topic. This is something we've wrote quite extensively about. I know you've actually been on the women's wrestling trail for quite a while now, probably since last year. Um, so I'll, I'll give you this platform to talk about those things. Yeah, so um, traditionally I cover higher education um, in the news section, but last year I decided to venture into sports just just a tad bit. And I wrote about Iowa City West's um, women's wrestling team um, because they had a separate team from the boys this last year. And if winter sports happen this year at the high school level, um, the hope is that they will continue to have a team on their own and continue in more meets than they were able to be in last year. Um, You know, this was pre-COVID when I wrote about this topic. Women's wrestling in Iowa is pretty big. Um, They have their own separate state tournament um, that I had the privilege to attend last year. Um, It was really exciting. But, you know, it's kind of disappointing that Iowa doesn't have a program since Iowa's big on wrestling. And obviously, it's a big thing at the high school level. So I think it could be really good for Iowa if they bring women's wrestling to the collegiate level. Um, I know there are smaller D2, D3 schools that have women's wrestling teams. So I think this could be something good for Iowa to have and give women another opportunity to participate in another sport. So I have a couple interesting notes on this. Um, number one, women's wrestling was actually put on the NCAA's uh, Division One emerging sport list, um, which means it can now be considered for um, Division One uh, sponsorship at the championship level in the NCAA. It already has it at the Division Two and Three levels, which is cool. They need forty. 40 schools to commit to the sport in order for it to get championship sponsorship. And when we talked to Tom Brands yesterday afternoon, so I guess it'd be Tuesday afternoon, he had some interesting things to say. It's headed in the right direction. It's only getting bigger and better and stronger. Um, I will say that, you know, Iowa's a trailblazing place, so why not? But, uh, you know, we talked to a lot of different partners in the women's wrestling community, excuse me, to make sure that we got this right. We didn't want to underrepresent them and we didn't want to overrepresent them. Um, As far as the pay and everything like that, it's it's all equal. So he said it would totally, it's a possibility that women's wrestling could come to Iowa at some point. Obviously now with the Title IX suit filed by the women's swimmers, uh, the women's 
wrestling. Uh, she's a freshman now, I believe. Um, she wrestled in high school and obviously the president of the women's rugby club here on campus. It could happen. I, I could see women's wrestling becoming a division one sport, especially at Iowa. In the near future, um, Iowa's obviously got to get past this budget crisis first, but it could get there. Yeah, and they're working at, on getting it um, sanctioned as a high school level sport as of last year they were working on it um, i don't know what kind of progress they have right now i'm planning on checking in with them just seeing what the status on it is but i think this could be a great opportunity for iowa all right let's let's wrap it up this has been our cake week special it's been a fun one i'm gonna go hound the other 50 percent of the cake that's left in the pan from this afternoon um, to which no one has assisted me in eating. And Wait, no one real quick, what, what's your thought on the cake? Why did I do? I, uh, like I said, it's a, it's a good, it's, it was, it was good. I, I liked it. Um, I thought it was good. Like I was, I was pleasantly surprised. It was moist. Uh, oh, it was, <laughs> what? That's a, that's a compliment for a cake. Cakes all the words. Moist. What do you want me to call it? Wet? <laughs> the cake was so wet. <laughs> <laughs> soaking please wrap this up <laughs> I gotta go Shivanj is about to save another uh, audio clip oh no this is staying in <laughs> one way or another <laughs> <sighs> anyway this has been the DI scoreboards cake week special we thank Robert, Chris and Kelsey for joining us Shivanj and I we will be back next week as will probably some of our other guests here today. Uh, as always, we are sponsored by absolutely no one. And Maybe we thank Johnsonville. you for listening. Johnsonville, if you're listening, please. They're not. <laughs> uh, hey, you don't, you don't know the reach of the DI scoreboard fan account, which I know nothing about. I think I know the reach when the follower count is in single digits. And thanks for listening, guys. the actual like are we actually done or is that the <laughs> that's that's the end right there what do you want me to say it was wet <laughs> <laughs> cakes are supposed to be moist they're supposed to be that way it was the frosting was good not great it was it was a as good as a red velvet Betty Crocker cake can be. You said the cake was soaking. <laughs> that is top three of best things that's been said in this podcast. I mean, <sighs> it wasn't dripping, obviously. It wasn't that like, it wasn't that to that extent, but it was, it was good and cakey. It was cakey. Cake. Austin, you can just, you can just, we've got it. <laughs> It was like a, a B minus from Shivanj. We've got everything we need. If I had to go letter grade, I'd go B. Okay. I'm fine. I'd, Robert, I'd go this. B. <laughs> Just get in front of the mic like this. <laughs> I have. I must have a great cake eye because I was like, I think that's a red velvet cake off of Austin's <laughs> Twitter photo. And the yeah, reason the photo, accurate, the reason the photo could tell it was red velvet is because. We, I had help from my amazing girlfriend uh, to make it last night, and we waited for it to cool. And I tried to spread frosting, and all the entire top layer just like folded over. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and I'm like, well, it doesn't need to be a good cake. I just have to be a cake. <laughs> Robert's got and a better like, eye for it. Than she's me. like, is he gonna care? And I'm like, ah, it's Austin. He's gonna eat it. <laughs> oh, I ate it. The whole thing. It's already gone. I used to be a Bears fan, but then I watched them. 